0: Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbus and Michael Edgeley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And Storage King.
0: The kings of storage moving and. Absolutely
1: Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgeley to run the rule over the past week in the World Game. First edition news with Willem van Dendren shortly and during the show, of course, we'll be joined by our 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League and former Notts County man Dean Hennessy and our former ITN journo Turn pundit Derek Dyson. And it's a blockbuster edition of Box to Box this week as two of the world's greatest football competitions, the Euros and the Copper America, come to what are sure to be exhilarating conclusions. In the open hour, it'll be wall-to-wall first up we'll be joined by the voice of football and the man that's called nearly every big moment at Wembley during the tournament Martin Tyler to get his take on just what this final means to England and just what Gareth Southgate's men need to do to break the three lines 55 year international drought and bring football home. We'll then switch to the opposite camp with our very own Aussie Italian living the dream as he covers the Azzurri across the European continent. Of course, that man is ESPN's Adriano Del Monte, the four time World Cup winning Italians on an unbeaten 33 game streak as they look to purge the shame of not qualifying for the last World Cup in Russia with their second. Euro title, And we'll wrap up the hour with a look at the team who captured the imagination of every football fan over the course of the tournament following their dramatic opening fixture against Finland. Of course, that is Denmark. And we'll be joined for the by the man who has capped over a 100 times for the Danish dynamite, Thomas Sorensen. In the second hour, Willem will kick off with second edition news and the latest on the Socceroos Matildas and the Oli Roos, just two weeks out from the Tokyo Olympics. That'll be the attention shifter we need in a couple of weeks time once this couple of tournaments is put to bed. Then we our attention to that copper America which we are all excited about Sunday morning perfect timing to watch that game. It'll feature one of the most salivating matchups in international sport, Brazil against Argentina, Messi v Neymar. And we're delighted for the first time in many years to welcome back the man known as Legendino for his encyclopedic knowledge of South American football with the BBC and a cast of other sporting organisations he corresponds for. I speak of none other than Tim Vickery. We'll do our own preview of the Euro final with Dino and Dell before we wrap it up with stoppage time and reflect Edge on some of the highlights of what has been truly one of the great tournaments
2: Certainly has And what a, um, a feast Those four semi-finals uh, Copa America And obviously uh, European Championships they Were they just Four fantastic I was down cards. in
1: Lygon Street again Yes I, I know We,
2: we saw the uh, Our WhatsApp group Go wild But um, I'll just leave you With one, with one thing Rob if, mm. you, I, if I ever hear An English fan Complain about The Latino football And the, no, dark, art, the dark arts Of the Latino game
1: I tell Are you, you going what, to ask Martin about that? I'll ask him about that. Okay, I'll be interested in his
3: opinion. (laughs) G'day, guys. Let's get on to some news. Of course, the big story. Italy and England will meet in the European Championship final at Wembley on Sunday after both sides required additional time to overcome their semi-final opponents. Italy's 4-2 penalty shootout win over Spain was their 33rd match unbeaten, as you mentioned, Rob. They're looking to add to their 1968 Euro triumph in what will be their fourth final. This for
4: Italy to win it, Jorginho style. They are in the final.
3: England's 2-1 extra time win over Denmark sees them into their first major tournament final since 1966, which was also famously held at Wembley. Two engrossing uh, semi-finals, guys. I think uh, I don't think that there's much doubt that Spain were probably the better side in their match against Italy. And really, they've shown the blueprint on how to, uh, on how to, to beat the Azuri, who have been uh, pretty dominant in every other game they've played so far.
1: Well, being down in uh, Café Noturno in Ligon Street, so for any little Italy around Australia, anyone who lives in any, in any other country, when, when Italy scored the goals, it was just manic, just what you'd expect. We all saw Dave Davidovic, that was the venue I was in and where he was broadcasting, but when Murata scored that uh, equaliser, it was like the energy had been sucked out of the room, that moment of belief that they were just counting down the minutes. But uh, yeah, as you say, Spain were the better side on the day, but uh, somehow or other, Italy managed to get through it and, uh, and, and that's the, the the, uh, that never say die attitude that uh, the Italians have right now that the uh, English are going to have to contend with.
3: Plenty of time to talk about Italy and England throughout the show but I wanted to have a quick word off the top about Spain and Denmark who I think earned plenty of plaudits from across the football world for their semi-final efforts. Uh, def- Denmark as I mentioned La Roja bossed large stages and Denmark defending once they got that early goal through, uh, through Damsgaard. They defended that lead pretty resolutely and definitely made England earn it. Michael, Spanish youngsters in particular Danny Olmo I mentioned a couple of weeks ago he was magnificent as was Pedri. Those guys have made their name on the biggest stage and cast Schmeichel as well he pulled out 10 saves against England including Harry Kane's penalty Uh, that incident the penalty Robert was somewhat marred what was an otherwise honest clash between the two sides uh, with a fan pointing the laser in the face of Schmeichel but I don't think it had too much of an impact but Michael unfortunately for Australia and the Oli Roos Pedri and Danny Olmo are on their way to Tokyo to take on the Oli Roos at the Olympics
2: Yes, seven. They had a warm up. I will tell you what, they'll be informed, won't they? But I, I must admit, I just want to ask Rob about the uh, Italian skipper. Did you see the toss of the coin for the, uh, <laughs> the, the penalty take? I mean, yeah. that the first time the referee tossed the coin, and there was just all this commotion, and a little bit of gamesmanship from the Italian skipper. He was he was hugging the Spanish captain. He was he was chokily sort of punching him in the face. He was he was tapping him on the head, but he just wanted another to- coin toss because he lost <laughs> the first one, but he
1: won the second one, and he got to choose. Kick first. Well, Giorgio Cutulini, he's famous. Who could forget back in Rio where he was the victim of the famous Luis Suarez bite? uh, The exaggerated reaction. He did have the bite marks back in those days, but you're right, it was charismatic. And
3: at the end, uh, look, I I just. I don't think
2: Jordi Alba knew what was going on. He was just like, because there was a second toss of
3: the coin. Well, I don't think uh, Jordi Alba had the cojones to sort of do anything about it. I think it would have been a different story if Ramos had been selected. I don't think he (laughs) would have been putting up with that sort of nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) And let's preview that Copper America final before we talk to Tim Vickery in the second hour. Lionel Messi, well, it's his chance to win an international trophy and it remains alive. Argentina will meet Brazil in a Copa America final for the fourth time on Sunday at the Maracanã. Argentinian keeper Emiliano Martinez was the hero in their semi against Colombia. He saved three penalties in the shootout after the match ended 1-1.
5: To keep Colombia in this one. Saved! Emi Martinez has done it again! Argentina are in the
6: final of the Copa America. Emi Martinez, the hero of the hour. Three huge penalty saves down to his left. Argentina have done it.
3: Brazil will be looking to add their 10th continental title and 6th on home soil it would be after Lucas Paqueta's goal was enough to see them past a dogged Peru.
0: Neymar breaking towards
6: the penalty area. Neymar comes inside. Three shirts around him. Still Neymar. Neymar still going. Cuts the ball back. Pacatara and Brazil lead. Finally there's a way past
3: Brazil and Argentina first met in a final in 1937 back then a final was only played if the round robin stage was tight Argentina won that one 2-0 Brazil have won the couple of more recent finals on penalties in 2004 and 3-0 in 2007 Gents you guys were both uh, uh, you both watched the, uh, the semi-finals a quick word from each of you on each of them
2: well the trivia question for Rob is how many times did the ball hit the woodwork in the Argentina versus Colombia game was it 4? I think it was 5 yeah, yeah, yeah. it was
1: amazing at <laughs> uh, 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 Colombia I, you got a feel for them, be, but we they all played very it.
2: well. They actually played very well in the group. And as did Brazil. Peru as well. I mean, yeah. you've got to
1: hand it to them. They went out with, well, it, we with a. we've
2: seen Peru at uh, first hand, haven't we? At mm-hmm. the World mm-hmm. Cup, where they, well, they truly us. dispatched us uh, completely. Dispatched us. So, mm. yeah, I mean, they're quality teams. They were. They were very good games, and uh, and Colombia. I think out of all the losers, probably Colombia can consider, them, consider themselves the stiffest.
1: Yeah, but this was the one game where. Uh, the copper america could rise above the drowning Clamour around the Euros And claim the attention That it deserved really uh, It was the well, final Well it sort we of ended. only hits
2: Its uh, mark until the semi-finals Because they've got That long sort of uh, Group phase haven't they Where there's a mm, lot of
1: Sort mm. of dead games here. And of course Australia Should have been there As good of Qatar Had it not been for the, the World Cup qualifiers Being rescheduled Alright well, well done A tight little opener there Because we've got such A busy opening hour We're going to talk to Martin Tyler next When we grabbed this show All those years ago There was only one voice That we wanted to be The soundtrack of our show And it was Martin Tyler And we're really looking forward To to having him back on the show to talk about England. We'll talk to Adriano Del Monte about Italy. And, you know, we could not finish uh, the Euros without having a chat with uh, Thomas Sorensen about the great Denmark performance. So stick around. It's a busy first hour, busy show on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. Can you believe it? The chemist warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And storage king.
0: The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most
1: crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport broadcasting across australia and as we said off the top of the show it's just been an incredible week an incredible 48 hours really with two amazing semi-finals first of all italy qualifying against spain and then his football really coming home the man who's called just about every minute of this tournament he was in the stadium of course martin Tyler, welcome back to box to box
4: Yeah, I've still got some voice left, (laughs) and we've got one more big game to go, and I think the two best teams in the tournament have got to the final, so um, it's been a credit to them and the way the tournament's been organised. It's been really difficult with all the different countries, of course, and all the different quarantines and COVID regulations, so um, yeah, I'm really... Thrilled as a football lover to be talking to you at this stage, where we're now down to the 51st and final game, and the best two teams are in it.
1: Yeah, exactly, Martin. And uh, um, from a, an English point of view, listening to any amount of uh, of live radio streaming and podcasts, etc., that anticipation of glorious failure of falling at the final hurdle after so many disappointments at semi-finals, it was almost like, how do we react? It was a, a just unbridled joy. <laughs>
4: You're absolutely right. Um, Just looking at it as a pure football person, I think England always had a really good chance of winning this tournament. Um, So I've been quite surprised mingling with the fans here. the the pessimism even from the younger especially from the younger ones who who have seen these uh, or read about the the failures if you like in the past and some of them have been glorious some of them have been inglorious so uh, yeah the mood of the nation has been uh, lifted considerably Uh, it's a great credit to Gareth Southgate and the team for the way they've gone about it the squad he's uh, dealt with every difficulty and the first difficulty on the field that they really had was of course provided by Denmark Um, with uh, Damsgaard's brilliant free-kick, a first goal England had conceded in the tournament. And us oldies remembered that England went and won the World Cup in 1966 and didn't concede a goal to the semi-final then. So that seemed to know. And that finished 2-1. It was against Portugal all those years ago. And uh, England got the same sort of uh, scoreline and and hopefully the same outcome when it comes to the final. Hopefully, as an Englishman, as a broadcaster, I promise that there'll be plenty of Italians listening a good part of the world. Uh, I've been uh, very, very impressed by the way they've gone about their tournament as well. And Roberto Mantini, well known in this country, of course, for his time with Manchester City, has uh, just put together an amazing team with an amazing set of statistics. So it's not done for England yet, but then it's not done for Italy yet either.
7: Martin, uh, regardless of the outcome of the, the final at, at Wembley, uh, would you see this as a defining moment for this England team? And uh, you mentioned the psychology around England, at uh, big tournaments, uh, players coming of age, but also just England kind of announcing themselves amongst their illustrious uh, European colleagues that, you know, they, they are able to tactically uh, compete at this level now.
4: Well, losing semi-finalists in the World Cup, losing semi-finalists a year later in the inaugural Nations League... when they did finish third, they did win the bronze medal in that tournament. It's been a sort of progression for Gareth Southgate that has taken us to where we are now and if they do lose, yes, of course, the final is a final and England have never been in the final of the European Championships before so they've already made history. In fact, the headline of the papers I just had delivered the History Boys is um, dotted all over the copy. So um, there is a sense of achievement but I know Gareth well and there's no way he'll be satisfied with this and um, it's not for personal glory, but for the football glory. He's a real uh, England man. You know, he's the only man, I think, who's played over 50 times for England and managed over 50 times for England. So, um, you know, it's his time, his team, and, and I wish him well.
1: This is Box to Box. We're talking to Martin Tyler, ahead of the Euro final, Euro 2020 final in 2021, a year later. And uh, <laughs> we are able to say it. England are playing Italy. At Wembley, it's amazing. The sterling
2: penalty. I'm just interested to get your thoughts uh, now that you've had a, a chance to reflect on it <clears throat> and uh, whether you've got any any uh, commentary to make about um, whether it was a, a right decision or not. And and when you sort of evaluate these types of controversial moments in major tournaments, I often think what would have been the reaction if the decision had have gone against uh, England instead of for it, what sort of reaction there would have been. So what are your thoughts on uh, sort of um you know almost a day on from what from uh, from that decision
4: well I've watched Raheem Sterling play from a 17 year old to whatever he is now and and his game is always going to bring contact and collisions and uh, some go for him and some don't uh, it, it, at the time you could see from the Dane's reaction that they weren't happy about it uh, I still think England would have won the game, so uh, I, you know, but it was it was obviously late, and and, and that might not have happened. But um, yeah, it, it's part of the game now where players, it's Raheem Sterling because he's got such pace. You only have to make the slightest contact, and you'll knock him off balance. You know, and I think that's probably the way uh, he's won so many penalties in the Premier League. He's, I say, won them penalties have been given for fouls on Raheem Sterling on a quite a regular basis compared to other players. So, yeah, if it, if it was a, a close call, um, sometimes they go for you, sometimes they don't. And it went for Raheem and for England. And then Kasper Schmeichel <laughs> nearly made it irrelevant. <laughs> um, and that's, uh, you know, a, a, I think it was a very poignant night for, for Denmark with, of course, the, um, uh, you know, the Christian Eriksen thing. They've been driven on by their cause and And casper 's been right at the heart of that right from the very moment that uh, Christian collapsed. Casper was there, and he very nearly bailed Denmark out again um, and uh, they 're a wonderful nation of, of football lovers, their fans were superb there was a you know there 's been no trouble around uh, around the games it's been it 's been really well contested and I think everyone 's so relieved to be allowed back in the ground there 's so much happiness just to be there. That you can take that things go against you sometimes a little bit easier because you're lucky enough to be there to see it.
2: You mentioned Casper uh, Schmeichel. He uh, he made nine saves, including obviously uh, the penalty. The rebound uh, didn't. Uh, he didn't. He almost saved the rebound as well. But uh, he beat the Danish record. Um, uh, you won't be surprised to know that it was held by his father. But just um, you've seen <laughs> his father play and you've seen Casper play. Um, it, it was a, a remarkable game from Casper, wasn't it?
4: Yes, and one of the things we know as broadcasters is not to mention Peter too often when we're commentating on Casper, <laughs> because he has had to live with that all his life, and he is Casper Schmeichel. And I think uh, the, the way we're talking today, that... Um, Um, you know, uh, Peter is now, uh, he's Casper's dad. He's not, uh, Casper's not son of Peter, you know what I mean? It's the spotlights rightly on Casper. He's just won the FA Cup at Wembley. He's been an outstanding goalkeeper in his club career and for his country. And uh, it would have been a nice symmetry if, Denmark had gone on to win it the, the two goalkeepers I think they would have been <laughs> with their medals in perpetuity because of that it would have been amazing but you know the fairy tale happened for Denmark in Peter Schmeichel's day they weren't even in the finals and they got in if you know your history of the European Championship yes. they got in because Yugoslavia were politically banned right at the last they were rescued from their holidays and they somehow managed to put together a team that when they played brilliantly I was there they, they won the tournament so they've had their fairy tale maybe it's time for England's tale this time
1: maybe it is but what they will need to do Martin as you said earlier was to get over the the might of Italy the four time world champions they've only won one euro many would think uh, that you know their illustrious record would suggest that they'd they'd won more but uh, you know they've the uh, the Italians have lost a, a, a real linchpin um, in in their uh, defensive uh, setup. Leonardo Spinazzola, probably uh, uh, one of the, the players picked in in most best of the tournament teams. Uh, you know you've got the old stages like uh, Chiellini and Bernucci uh, in defence. Uh, Mancini will have uh, as Gareth Southgate will have done uh, worked out any number of plans. What what do you think is the key for it for England to to overcome Italy on uh, Sunday evening your time? I
4: think it's quite clear they've got to boss the midfield because if Italy boss the midfield, Giorginio is a, a wonderful player to control. Controlling football matches at this pace um, and at this time of a, a long, long season, of course, he's had a, a fantastic club season with Chelsea. And the England players will know all about playing against him. But his um, contribution has been enormous. And he brings the best out of Varela, who's uh, an eye-catching young player, as you know. Uh, and Verratti has got himself fit and got himself back in the team. So there's no question about it that um They could, you know, they could control midfield and I think it will be, it will be difficult for England if that's the case, but. Uh, I think Benucci and Chiellini great players though they've been a vulnerable Morata showed that in the semi-final and I'm not sure that although they have scored lots of goals under Mancini um, I'm not sure that they have quite the uh, the attackers of the quality of a Harry Kane for example uh, if Harry Kane was in the Italy team I, I think they'd be pretty much unstoppable but um, Immobile and Bellotti haven't really stepped up in the, in the tournament when the, when the big matches have come so uh, I think, I think England will be favourites but Italy have been very watchable I think they're, they're like a Premier League team really which might suit England a bit better I, I felt at the end of the first semi-final that England had dodged a bullet really I think playing Spain would have been really a, a, quite a tricky challenge with the the rotation the, uh, the, the different type of football but Italy are Despite being another a, a, a southern European country with a tradition of, of, if you like, thoughtful cerebral football, they're enough yeah. an atom team now, and it'll be a great final. It'll be an absolutely... And if Italy do find a way to turn that gusto, the bravado that they had to find in the semi final against Spain, because they were actually outplayed in the first half, and Mancini was as worried as I've seen him throughout the tournament, uh, um, but they they battled their way back into it, and uh, but they are vulnerable because 1-0 up here to lead down the ears would have been enough, but it wasn't enough, and obviously it had to go the distance and the, the penalties got them through, but it, it, it is the perfect final for what's been a very good tournament.
1: Yeah, exactly, and uh, Wembley will be graceful, at least 75% of the crowd, who made an amazing noise uh, in the, the game against Denmark, so it'll just be epic. Martin. All the best. Enjoy the game as a football man all of your life. Uh, this will uh, sit at the uh, top of the pantheon. I would have thought if uh, if England does get the result either way, it'll be one of the great moments in an illustrious career that you've had. So uh, enjoy the game and um, and we'll enjoy listening to you call it.
4: Thanks very much indeed. And it, it is special. I've never done England in a panel. i and 66 I was just a university student mm. watching and hoping but now I'm a professional broadcaster and as I said yeah. to you at the start I promise you Italy will get a fair crack in my commentary
1: oh, we know you will Martin we've listened to you all too <laughs> long to, to know anything otherwise mate enjoy the game Martin thanks again for joining us my pleasure Cheers, guys. Um, Not at all. Martin Tyler, the soundtrack of football uh, in most of the English speaking world. Okay, we're going to flip over to Italy now, uh, to the other end of uh, the career spectrum. Adriano Del Monte, he's a Melbourne boy. He works for ESPN, he works for Optus Sports. Anyone who's been watching the games will have seen him jumping up and down with some of the highlights clips. Adriano's going to join us next on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And Storage King.
0: The kings of storage, moving and
1: more. Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport. We've had a lovely chat with Martin Tyler, the voice of football around the world, at least in the English-speaking world about England. But there's been a man who's been synonymous with the Italian story, and it's just been wonderful watching the Optus Sports coverage. As one moment he stands up there as the clean-cut sports journalist doing all of the crosses, but then we see the little packages of him going, Absolutely ape droppings once Italy score His name's Adriano Del Monte And uh, we welcome him back to the show How are you Adriano?
6: I'm well My, my voice has been a little bit cozy Today just off the back of her <laughs> The semi-final for victory, but no, look, yeah, since we last caught up, mm. the, the, the tournament has just continued to deliver, and mm, mm. it
1: has
6: been a, a special tournament, and well, we've had uh, one hell of a final
1: to come. Yeah, it has been, and uh, and I'll, just a little off-mic moment that uh, uh, I've mentioned a couple of times that, that I've gone down a, to Ligon Street to watch all of the knockout matches with my oldest son, Thomas, yeah. and, and some of his friends, and uh, I, I sent uh, Adriano a, a snapshot of, of the crazy crowd and him on the screen in the background and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you know that scene well, mate, and um, and you've been watching uh, our good friend Dave Davidovic trying to wrestle with the fans going crazy. But uh, but it's just a little uh, snapshot of um, of the, the Italian reaction, just so so effusive and emotional and over the top, which is uh, obviously across the Italian peninsula and, and uh, enclaves of Italians around the world after the disappointment of not making Russia. It's almost sort of purging the shame, isn't it?
6: Yeah, well, that's why. Right. Look, uh, I think. I think everyone knows Italians in general are the performances around the world and the, the added layers of, of the complexity to how much this particular tournament means. Look, the fact it's seen in Australia by Italians there means everything, but I can tell you in Italy, I obviously came, I'm in London for the week here for the semis in the final and flew over from Rome and my home in Milan and, and the feeling there off the back of, as you correctly said, missing the World Cup but also the, the added layer of the, of the situation. And, look, obviously the entire world has suffered with COVID, but quite clearly as well Italy had as tough a time as anyone in that and, you know, 130,000 lives lost. And the, the narrative has certainly shifted more in that direction now in the fact that Italy, uh, this, these men are playing for a country of 60 million and it means so, so, so much more than football. And historically... I think I said this last week when we caught up as well, but historically when Italy have come through difficult times, have faced some adversity, it's often when the 11 players perform at their absolute best. So no surprise to me, Italy are in the final. And it looks certainly the feeling there is that they are expecting to go in, win this and bring the cup home for the second time. So a really special time. stolen Italy, those words, but bring it before, home. Well, uh, <laughs> coming to Rome. <run>. <laughs> yes, there, that's that, it. That, I think that chanted out 100 times a year in very short time in England. But,
2: now, look, a special time for Italy as a country. Now, Adriano, one very important question for all uh, fans of the Azzurri is, should uh, Roberto Mancini, should he make a change uh, in the number nine position? Mm-hmm. Should he uh, sack Immobile from his uh, position after his poor games uh, against Belgium and Spain, uh, or should he stick with a Lazio mm-hmm. number nine?
6: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think it will dominate discussion in the next forty-eight hours. I'd I'd leave it as is. I think uh, we have very rarely seen Munchin play with a false nine as we saw for a brief period in the semi-final against, um, or of, of course the, the semi-final against Spain, where it was against a Spanish team who, who played incredibly well, and I I'm not expecting the same challenge on the pitch. Uh, Sunday against England I think the challenge will be very different The, the Wembley crowd, a different lineup. But I, I'm i content If he does remain with him he. And Mancini made some interesting comments The other day where he said It's often those that are the line of the order, Those that have pressure on them That stand up and deliver when it counts And to me I have a little feeling That it could be him Who actually finds the back of the net Sunday in the final So I, I'm not expecting a change there I think England defensively and certainly the way that, certainly their midfield is very different to what Italy experienced against Spain. And with that in mind, I think Italy will dominate possession in the match. And I think Immobile will have significantly more opportunities to, to
1: make his mark. But look, if they need to change as the match goes on, the opportunity will be there to do that. But I am expecting him to start from the first. Yeah, my, my sense too, similar to Harry Kane class, is permanent uh, form is fleeting. This is Box to Box. We are talking to Adriano Del Monte from ESPN and Optus Sports ahead of the uh, European Cup final. Between Italy and England, it's going to be a nail-biting affair.
3: Adriano, you mentioned uh, that you expect Italy to dominate possession. Last time we spoke to you, it was after the group stages, and we did have a chat about the midfield. and It's been fascinating to see, to see how it's progressed. They have been dominating, uh, especially against Belgium uh, as well. But the game against Spain did play out a little bit differently, and I think uh, Spain probably yeah. showed the blueprint of how you can get at uh, Italy if, if you play the ball. and I think Spain probably won the game in midfield, but lost it uh, at the mm-hmm. top of the park. England have also enjoyed the, uh, the bulk of possession and play in the vast majority of their game. So what will Mancini do? What will Italy do to make sure that they uh, tighten up in that regard and get over the top of England in the middle of the park?
6: Yeah, I think it will be another match dictated by who can dominate in the middle of the park. I, I think, look, I, to be honest, I think Mancini will just will play play their game. I, I think it will be South West England who will need to adapt a little more it, look, dependent on how they line up, England have, have shifted from three to four-man defences. and the tournament has gone on against certain opponents. The Italian midfield, for me, something from the start, which I knew was extremely underrated. They have three world-class players in that midfield. Obviously, Jorginho known here in England because of his time at Chelsea, but he's prior in Italy, world-class. Marco Verratti is the best player in the world in his position. And Nicolò Varela, who I've covered week in, week out for many years with Cagliari and now into Milan, he's he's a world beater as well. And it was very, well, it was quite spoken about in the lead-up. I did feel that Italy, perhaps behind only France, had the best midfield in the competition and I'm certainly expecting that it will be England who will need to adapt and Southgate will have to make some decisions in terms of personnel and will he look to man-mark certain players like Jorginho and better because Spain did so well through large parts to really just close down their possession and time of the ball. So look I as I said, I, I am anticipating that Italy will, will control the ball. I think that those three in the likes of Locatelli when coming in you know, I think they will have uh, far more control over the likes of Rice and obviously Henderson came in last night but Rice and Phillips if, if they are to start but you're right in saying it's certainly a key area of the park that maybe England will watch what Spain did and look to look to look to play in a similar way but Given what Southgate's done thus far, I think they'll stick to their guns as well and, and back themselves into their system of soul and approach will hold
1: them in good stead. And before we let you go The absence of uh, Leonardo Spinazzola Of course in the group stages uh, he If he wasn't the best player In the tournament at that point He was in the conversation The highlight of course was the sublime assist For uh, Federico Chiesa In that round of 16 tie Against Austria He just provided such uh, such pace Down that uh, left hand side He was a, a real shining light um, Emerson comes in And uh, uh, and does a job to replace him but But he just doesn't provide you know that that sparkle of fairy dust that Spinazzola did. Uh, uh, do you think just that one game up their sleeve now? Uh, Mention seen enough to, to to try and rework the strategy to to compensate for Spinazzola's loss.
7: Yeah,
6: look, obviously the the combination pairing that obviously Spinazola has built with Insigne also another important fact. they took really good rapport down that left hand side. But the unfortunate reality is is that Emerson is the only natural left back that that remains in the squad. Lorenzo you know, can play. On the left side, obviously Toloi, Toloi, who has come a couple of times, or a right-sided central defender in a three-man. So there isn't really that replacement, and there has been some thoughts about a few others potentially lining up there. But look, I was happy enough with what I saw from Emerson again. The King Whitley, albeit there are some stars in that squad, they aren't littered with stars. It's more the system that Munchie employs, him yes, while well, Emerson may not, well, I-, I think he's equally player, but obviously he hasn't had the time of the Euros to really get to the level that the shows, but I think he, he will be more than capable in that role. And coming up, of course, against some players that he knows
1: very, very well, which may work in his favour coming in, given his time in the Premier League. Yeah, well, we, uh, well those of us who uh, are following it just hope so, but uh, uh, Adriano, thanks again for joining us, uh, and and on the other occasions you have throughout the tournament, uh, it's been just wonderful talking to you and watching you on the on the Optus coverage. Uh, we know you'll be there at Wembley, and uh, and absolutely on the one hand you'll be as big an Azurdi fan as you ever have been, but on the other you'll be the consummate uh, dapper uh, presenter as uh, as you deliver the news to us, mate. So uh, so enjoy the the final, whatever happens, um, and um, we'll be uh, we'll be enjoying watching you on the box uh, um, back up. Yeah.
6: Um, really, really appreciate it, guys. And I think, look, whatever happens in the final, Italy or, England will be a worthy winner. And I think whoever loses the match, more importantly, will look back on this tournament very fondly because both have done exceptionally well to get there.
1: Exactly, and there's only 18 months till the World Cup, so there's uh, uh, not the normal cycle to, to have to uh, to wait till Adriano. Stay well, mate. Thanks, guys. All right, Adriano Del Monte. Uh, we uh, and now I'm going to talk uh, after the break to Thomas Sorensen, the the great Danish goalkeeper who bookended the Schmeichel father and son combination, obviously. 360 games in the Premier League himself. Denmark just desperately unlucky not to make it the final after that fairy tale story. That's Thomas Sorensen after the break on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. The
1: Chemist Warehouse
0: Home of real brands and real savings And Storage King The kings of storage, moving and more
1: and this Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sports It's been a busy hour reflecting on the semi-finals Looking ahead to the final with Martin Tyndall and Adriano Del Monte But as we said at the top of the show We could not let uh, the Euros pass without reflecting on Really the team, the second team for everybody If it wasn't their first team already uh, of the tournament uh, And that is of course Denmark What a... Uh, an amazing opening tournament match that was against Finland where uh, Christian Eriksen went down and thank God he survived a man who uh, is so close to that camp. He played over a hundred caps for Denmark. Uh, he's our uh, very own Optus, very own uh, Thomas Sorensen. And he joins us. How are you, Thomas?
8: Yeah, I'm good. Um, obviously, uh, just, uh, spend a bit of a, of the day reflecting on and everything that's happened since that, uh, Finland game. And, and obviously the game this morning, uh, yeah, so so proud of, of what,
1: the Chief, uh, what the team what has uh, achieved. Yeah, it's been amazing, Thomas. Uh, I mean, we we were all gripped um, as we watched that opening match, just uh, uh, to to see what was going on on the pitch, to work out uh, that it was actually a serious medical situation, and all relieved, obviously, that Christian survived. Uh, you know, we did talk at the early stages. We weren't obviously the only one. So many people in the football world, once Christian had survived, we thought, can there be a fairy tale here? And uh, and it seemed to play out throughout. The course of the tournament, Denmark almost looked destined to go through, going up early against England at Wembley, but it just wasn't to be.
8: No, but for the, you know you've got to look at the journey and and how they sort of rose from your ashes so to speak. Uh, um, uh, you throw character, leadership. Um, you know, uh, you know to, to lose the first games. I thought they. You know, they played well In, against Finland. They played really well against Belgium, took them all away, and then only a bit of brilliance from De Bruyne had change, changed that game. And, uh, and I think the culmination uh, was that uh, Russia game where, you know, everything uh, sort of just uh, went the right way. Uh, they put on a great performance. And I think from there, the confidence just built into to the Wales game and Czech Republic game. And I think we saw this morning as well, they took England all away. Yeah, probably lacked lacked the, the last little bit. You know, maybe a, a bigger squad when when things sort of when when substitution starts coming in in the second half. You could sort of see England could put on world class players, and Denmark were struggling to keep the the same form as as they 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 were showing or uh, had shown in the first half.
2: Thomas, um, I must uh, ask you, I mean, Denmark's got such a wonderful uh, relationship with European football championships, but you must be very proud because um, we we know you're a proud Dane, but just take us through your emotions. Obviously, you're proud, but I just had the point of view that Casper was playing so well that if it went to a penalty shootout, uh, he was bound to get the job done in that type of uh, situation. So on one hand, you're proud, but you must be kicking yourself too.
8: Yeah, because again, it, it was a tight game. Uh, we were one 0 up, obviously, and 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 I think we, you know, we had England on the ropes. You could see the doubt start to creep in, you know, in the stadium, uh, you know, amongst the players. Uh, yeah, and Caspers were, were on top of I think you know a lot of the players uh, played tremendously well. Uh, so so you start to to think that this actually could 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 be Denmark's night, and uh, you know, even even in extra time, you know, just hanging on. Uh, it was it was there was a bit of pressure I must say England uh, you know again you could argue Kane maybe should have had a penalty uh, early in the game Uh, but I definitely had the sense that um, were we going to penalties the demons of the past for England uh, 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 I heard Foden actually talk before the tournament uh, about penalties and and, uh, you know his his fear of, of actually ending up in a penalty shootout so So that would have been a massive advantage. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Casper will be, you know, I think he'll be kicking himself, uh, you know, actually going the right way, saving the penalty. And it's just not having that little bit of luck where the ball, you know, just bounces uh, away from Kane instead of straight into his path. So, uh, you know, but take nothing away from from the team and and especially Casper's performance, because he he definitely kept us in it for, for a long while in that game.
2: Well, you are the best person to judge this next question because uh, uh, you're bookended by the father and Casper. And for Casper, for a long part of his career, he's been known as the son of Peter. But uh, these days it might be... Uh, Peter is the dad of Casper, so um, very, very different goalkeepers. But uh, what's your reflections on how good Casper is? And I'm old enough to remember his father, who was just absolutely fabulous. And you were right in the middle of uh, middle of, of both of them. So, just can you give us, uh, from your perspective, Casper um, and uh, and the relationship with his dad, and in particular, can you split them on who is better or not?
8: You know, I think uh, you know what what. Um you know what's the same about him that they both got incredible winning mentality. I think that uh, it's something that I don't know what they drink in that family, but uh, <laughs> you know, that, um, you know, uh, that's that's very similar. You know, I I was in the national team uh, sort of in, when I was young, uh, and, and Peter came to the end of his career and, and managed to, to spend a couple of years with him. Uh, definitely different personalities, I think, off the pitch. You know, Casper is 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 uh, you know, Peter can be very dominant. Casper is more sort of a, a, a well balanced person. <laughs> Kasper, uh, Peter, Peter could be a bit up and down at times, and uh, you know, I, I know Casper off the pitch a, a, a lot better than I, than I know P- Peter, and uh, uh, but I think as goalkeepers, uh, you know, they, they obviously played in different eras, uh, but I think definitely Casper is, is a better all-round keeper um, you know uh, I think he, he's, he's, he's tremendous and, and and also to have come from from out under that shadow uh, you know he yeah. didn't choose the, the easy path because he was at Man City he could have he could have used his name to to go to different clubs but but he you know he, he, he went to the lower leagues he worked his way up uh, you know came to Leicester when they were in the championship actually at the bottom of the championship uh, and look at where he is now. He's won the Premier League. He's won the FA Cup. Uh, you know, so, uh, sometimes, you know, yeah, Peter won obviously the Champions League and, and a few more trophies, but he was also maybe in the right situation where Casper has taken the, the tougher route than Peter did. Um, but yeah, know, definitely world class keepers,
1: both. This is Box the Box on Nine Radio NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Optus Sports and former Danish goalkeeper, 300 game player in the Premier League. Don't if you don't mind, uh, Thomas Sorensen reflecting on Denmark's performance in the Euros.
7: Thomas, I'd like to talk to you about the other goalkeeper on the on the pitch, Pickford, who up until that wonderful free kick hadn't conceded a goal in the tournament. I just wonder, first of all, do you have sympathy for Pickford on the goal? A few people thought he should have got to it even though it was such a tremendous strike there from Damsgaard. And just in general, um, you know, he came into this tournament with a few question marks hanging over his head, people calling for Henderson and others to replace him. How do you think he's going and can he be an asset for England in the final?
8: I I think, um, actually, up until the Denmark game, I I must say, uh, you know, he he looked really, really good. Um, Because actually, you know, I had question marks as well. Because he always seems to... You know, to have a little bit of a shaky moment and maybe a mistake in him, uh, you know, to to really put him in that world-class category. Um, You know, looking at the game today, I think he looks shaky, especially, you know, playing out from the back. I think he he looked uncomfortable. He nearly, you know, he gave the ball away twice, which wasn't punished by the the Danes. Um, But looking at the free kick, you know, it's a fantastic free kick, you know, to have that Technique to to hit it with pace to to get it to dip, um, and and you also got to look at the Danes had three three players blocking his view as well. So so I know how how your reaction time is, is reduced uh, by not being able to to see the ball until it's actually over the wall. Um, and yeah, you can look at could he have got a, a, an earlier step in? Um, could he have anticipated it? But, you know, it's still, you know, take nothing away from from a strike uh, of that quality. Uh, So, you know, I I don't think you can put too much on, on, on him.
1: Well, there's one thing we know he didn't have to put up with, and that was some idiot in the crowd shining a laser on his face. Um, that was just bizarre to think that somebody would think that, that in this world of CCTV footage and cameras and so on, that you could get away with that.
8: Yeah, there, 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 you know, there was a few things. And that's probably the thing that, that that's sort of annoying me, me now that the game was decided the way it was. You know, obviously, there was an extra ball on the pitch when mm. Sterling ran through, then the penalty, which... You know in my book was was very very soft um and then yeah the laser uh in 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 casper's in space so, so it's it's just three things that did from such a great game and 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 two teams that that you know that that you know played to the absolute top level um so you know, again, I hope this guy—it doesn't belong anywhere in football. We, 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 you know, we sometimes see it in, in South America and and those places, but not in London in at, a, at a, such a, a big stage. You know, hopefully, this this person will be found and. And yeah, shouldn't really be allowed in the stadium uh, ever again, I think.
1: Yeah, I no, agree. And classy Kasper Schmeichel to not um, make too big a deal of it in, in the, 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 the um, post-match analysis, allowing those of us who comment on it to to, uh, to uh, point the finger of shame where it should be. Before we let you go, Thomas, um, your prediction for, for Sunday evening, Europe time, Monday morning, our time?
8: Oh, it's such a, an evenly poised match. I think... Um, you know, it, it'll be hard for the challenge to stop Kane and Sterling. I think they they've been the danger men for, for England. Whenever, even today, when whenever England had chances, it's always come through Sterling and and Kane. And uh, uh, the midfield battle will be really really interesting. I think uh, you know Phillips uh, has, has been tremendous. And then you, you're looking at the energy, Jorginho. I think we've been one again one of the best players in this tournament. Barella, uh, Locatelli, whoever whoever they play, they're playing, Everati. So you know whoever gets gains control in that midfield i think will will have a great chance to win um, but uh, i think it'll be a one goal game and you know I, I think italy might have that little bit of extra sort of tournament experience at the back that might might prove the difference and a very good goalkeeper as well which uh, you know which it could come down to it could, be, could come down to pickford and, and donnarumma actually battling it out with with a crucial save here and there
1: Oh, God, you won't be popular in England making that prediction, Thomas, but uh, I've got a sneaking suspicion that you just might be right, mate. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, uh, Denmark already uh, had a proud football and uh, great international reputation before going into this tournament. It was only enhanced after their performance in uh, Euro 2020, stroke 21. So, mate, uh, thank you for, for joining us and uh, and going through uh, some reflections on uh, on uh, your national side. Oh,
8: thanks uh, for having me on.
1: Not at all, Thomas Sorensen Okay, it was a busy first hour, we've got a busy, busy second hour We're going to talk Copper America with Tim Vickery And we're going to do some more analysis on uh, Just who we think will win the Euro This coming Sunday, stick around, that's after the news On Box to Box Now,
0: this is Box to Box With Rob Gilbus and Michael Edgley Oh, what a goal For Kenneth Warehouse Home of real brands and real savings And Storage King The kings of storage moving ahead. Absolutely fantastic
1: Yes, this is Box to Box on Nine Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. After a bumper opening hour, we talked to Martin Tyler, Adriano Del Monte and Thomas Sorensen about the Euros in the coming hour. We are going to talk to uh, the man who is synonymous with South American football, Tim Vickery. We'll look again at the Euros uh, back on the semis and make some predictions about the final and our favourite moments. But before we do, there's a fair bit to get through with... uh, the Matildas and the Olly Roos coming up in the Olympics just two weeks away.
3: Yeah, we're almost there, Rob. Once the, uh, once the Euros and Copper America are finished, it'll be sad, but we won't be uh, unoccupied for too long because, yes, you're right, the, the Olympics and the, uh, the Olly Roos Matildas on the doorstep. It is is Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army to start. Make sure you're among the first to know when news drops on future overseas tours to support our national teams in all corners of the globe. There's plenty on over the next three years, so make sure you're part of the Green and Gold Army. Sign up to the mailing list at ggatravel.com.au. A-U rather. A couple of huge transfers for a couple of our biggest Socceroos this week, guys. Jackson Irvine has joined Bundesliga two-side St. Poli on a free transfer, ending his long stint in British football. Based in Hamburg, St. Poli are famous for their social activism and connection with their local music and, and cultural scene, something Jackson has said aligns perfectly with himself as a person.
1: Yeah, I, I know, uh, as we all know, and anyone who's listened to this show for a while now, we know the, the Irvine family, and, and Jackson is a, a, a young guy who, who wants to get the most out of his football experience, not just as a player, but uh, to 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 play on the continent had always been an ambition of his. He's uh, got heaps of experience with Scotland. He'll always be grateful for Hibbs for giving him the opportunity to reintegrate back into football. But uh, yeah, great opportunity for him at the the second tier of German football.
3: Matt Ryan looks on the verge of a return to La Liga with Real Sociedad. They've reportedly agreed a deal with Brighton where he has a year to run on his contract. San Sebastian-based club finished sixth in the league last season. Ryan would have to unseat their entrenched number one Alex Romero. But rumour is, Rob, that that might be the case. He was linked to Celtic and Ange Postecoglou, if you had to go about your football, would you prefer Glasgow or San Sebastian?
1: Yeah, San Sebastian. Yeah, yeah I think I'd be going to Spain. Right. But I'm just disappointed. Yeah, thank, thank Well, it's just yeah. speaking on behalf of yeah. Rob. Yeah. yeah, he's just like, I'm, I'm just a you know Ventriloquist. Ventricle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just disappointed that he's leaving Arsenal. I would love to have seen him mm. break into that squad. I think it was a chance, but um, not to be.
3: Well, I think he wanted to stay at Arsenal more than anything, so mm. the fact that he's leaving shows that he's probably seen that the door. So so your Dad is a big club there.
2: too. They're not mm. a small club. Mm.
3: Uh, elsewhere in Europe, Manchester City star Alexander Robinson is about to commence his senior career. He signed a one-year loan deal with Ross County, still yet to uh, commit his international future, of course. From a Matilda's perspective, Elise Kellon-Knight, Michael, great to see her take the pitch for Hammerby in Sweden. That doubled as her uh, return from ACL injury and uh, and debut for the club. And also, a word for she's not a, a Matilda, but she's definitely a friend of the Australian game. Rebecca Stott, uh, multiple W League uh, championship winner. We know she's been battling Hodgkin's lymphoma. She signed on to play with Bullen Lions in the NPL Women's Victoria. So, excellent to see that she's at a stage where she can think about returning to the pitch and best wishes to her as she continues her treatment and hopefully her recovery. And a bit of Oli, Oli Ruse and uh, an Olympics news, Rob. Liverpool have stood firm against Egypt's requests to release Mo Salah for Tokyo. With uh, He's going to remain at Melwood for pre-season. Clubs are, of course, not obligated to release players for the Olympics, given it falls outside of FIFA's calendar. While in a further boost for the Oli Ruse, Arsenal's Mohamed Neni will also miss for are you jittering? <laughs> last week uh, Does it, it give us a chance though seriously I mean uh, Against I Egypt we it summer. does yeah, we, yeah.
2: Look th- th- we have to win one of our group games and uh, that's the one that we're likely to mm. have a crack at mm. you'd think Argentina and Spain maybe not
3: There have been a couple of changes as well last week Rami Nazarene and Ruan Tongyik are going to miss the tournament replaced by Marco Tilio and Jay Rich Bagaloo Over to Germany there's been a big international retirement Tony Cruz has called time he's aged just 31 Michael he intends to focus solely on Real Madrid and spend a bit more Time with his family. He played 106 games for Germany, that took in three World Cups and three Euros. The last four of those, he played every single minute, including their 2014 World Cup triumph. His 17 goals included two within the space of 70 seconds in that famous 7-1 defeat of Brazil in the World Cup semi-final. That is the fastest brace in World Cup history as it stands. And also an interesting little side note: he's considered the only. East German, back in the day, to have won a World Cup with Germany. He hails from Griswold.
2: Amazing. Uh, I still think back to that game, uh, the semi-final in uh, in uh, Belo Horizonte, when uh, Germany just took Brazil apart. And what lives with me forever is the newspaper the next day. They just printed on the front page a black... Piece of paper. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That was it. <laughs> That's all they did. <laughs> the biggest selling Brazilian newspaper just put a black spot on the front page <laughs> of the newspaper next day. Did want? Did want to know about it?
3: <laughs> and plenty of uh, football going on internationally, Rob. But I'm super excited to say that the FFA Cup is back. We missed it dearly in 2020. Uh, the draw has been held for the first round, the round of 32. Uh, a couple of teams are making their first appearance. Cairns-based club Edgehill United, Rob. Uh, they're an, actually an amateur club. They don't play in the MPL. They flew out their 27 players, staff and life members. They had the canteen lady. They had the, uh, the boot and stutter.
1: And patron, Michael Edgeley, after him. There, no? Well, they should get me and Simon Hill up and there, there to the commentary.
3: Imagine you're on special commentary. Simon so you wouldn't let him go away not it <laughs> Uh, Simon,
1: shut up, let
3: me speak. They flew the... the <laughs> no, you just speak, we know that. <laughs> they flew the life members uh, out to the qualifying win over Mackay United uh, with Sunday's Magpies. Also in the 32 for the first time are uh, Northern Territories Casuarina. Now, Casuarina have been drawn against Lions FC of Brisbane and Edge Hill United. They've got a winnable game, if you like. They've got the Gold Coast Knights. Uh, also in the 32 for the first time, uh, a WA club who are a very famous club, and they've been a bit dirty not to have reached the 32... Uh, yet in the history of the FFA Cup ECU Joondalup they've produced a few soccerers over the uh, journey Rob Brandon O'Neill Rhys Williams Chris Heard, and of course Adam Taggart and they're currently coached by Kenny Lowe so good to see Kenny back on the, uh, on the national stage they're Great hugely Ken. excited oh. to see the FFA Cup back oh Glory front When me. are they going to
2: change the name to the Australia Cup Willem? I?
3: I think very shortly from the mail you give me Michael mm hope so. And we've got time for one more. Uh, this is uh, a breaking story out of Asia, the AFC. A-League sides have been handed a small lifeline regarding the Champions League, with the Southeast Asian zone of the AFC Cup cancelled due to COVID-19. The AFC Cup sits underneath the Champions League with club performances determining coefficient points on which the Champions League places are decided. C- currently Australia sit in 20th, which is not great for our future going forward in the Champions League. We're surrounded by Malaysia, Singapore and Indonesia. They're scrapping for, uh, for guaranteed Champions League places but this cancellation now means that those clubs also will not be earning points this year so a little bit of respite for the uh, for the Australian coefficient.
1: Okay uh, thank you Willem well done uh, now we're going to talk to Tim Vickery Tim came on the show very looking early looking forward then. to this. it's about time we get into some Copa America exactly Argentina versus Brazil one of the great games of international sport and uh, we know that Tim uh, has it up there with any head-to-head competition derby or otherwise because he is uh, a man who is known famously as a legendino for his encyclopedic knowledge of South American football. Stick around. Tim Vickery next on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the
1: most crucial goal of all. This is Box the Box on Nine Radio NTS News Talk Sport. Now, we spent the opening hour of the program talking about the Euros, but uh, no discussion around football this week is complete, unless, of course, we talk about the Copper America. And uh, the man who we've been referring to uh, during the course of the show as the legendino for his encyclopedic knowledge of South American football is uh, the man that uh, is coming up next, Tim Vickery. How are you, Tim?
5: Yeah, very well, very well. And uh, stoked, as I believe you say in your part of the world, about what's going on on both sides of the Atlantic.
1: Mate, you're using the local vernacular beautifully uh, there, Tim. And uh, as I was just saying to you off air, I was uh, uh, tuning into um, one of my uh, my favourite programs, which is uh, the, the BBC Overnight Show with Dot and or which uh, you feature on regularly. So if any of our listeners are, um, are uh, able to, uh, th- Thursday afternoon, just uh, listen to BBC Sounds and you can hear some of Tim's best work. But, Tim, uh, we might leave a bit of time at the end to ask you about the Euros, but the, sure. the Copper America final, it's a perfect timing. We have to get up at uh, five a.m. Monday morning to watch um, uh, Italy and, uh, and England, but it's a 10 a.m. Sunday morning start our time at the Maracanã, and um, it uh, wasn't as easy as we thought it might be. I think most pundits um, seem to think that uh, if Brazil and Argentina would uh, get the job done against Peru and uh, and Colombia respectively, but, uh, but geez, they were given a pretty fierce test, weren't they?
5: They were, yeah. I always expected Argentina to, to have problems because Colombia were a dangerous side big physically strong and you knew that at some points in that game uh, Colombia were going to ask questions of the Argentina defence and that's the way it proved it's it's been a a similar template to all Argentina's games really in this tournament in which they've started off really really well they have uh, Messi in a a glorious circuit of passing with uh, De Paul Lo his relationship with the centre-forward, Lautaro Martinez, gets better and better and better. Um, but they can't sustain it. They can't sustain it mm. for, for the 90. And uh, in, in in lots of the games, they've ended up on the back foot for, for long periods. And it was that way again. Um, in the end, I thought he switched it round the coach, Scaloni, um, and brought on Di Maria and switched his 4-3-3 to a 4-4-2. Uh, and in the end, I thought Argentina finished strongly enough that if it was a boxing match, Argentina would have got it on points. Instead of which, there's no obviously there's no points in football. It's straight to penalty shootout, and that was it. That was incredible drama, because mm. that Argentina team, you know, likes of Messi and 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 uh, Otamendi and Di Maria, they've been scarred by so many penalty defeats, uh, and uh, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a team celebrate as wildly. In an empty mm. stadium before with brazil and peru and i thought peru were going to get massacred uh, and in the first half to be fair they were massacred and it could have easily have been three or four nil mm. at the interval but peru played i thought it played a sensational second half really surprised brazil and uh, in the end and brazil were worthy winners but i think they were very happy to to, to hear the final whistle so uh, yes um problems for both in the semi-final but here we are. And uh, gentlemen, is there a bigger game in world football than Brazil against Argentina?
1: Well, that's the question that um, I'm comfortable answering. That uh, Seriously, I don't think there is.
3: Team football is, of course, a team game. But Rob mentioned the big underlying story in this final. It is that the two kingpins, uh, the South American players of their generation, Neymar and Messi, both without a major international tournament uh, to their name to this point. Messi's, of course, played in the six finals. He won... Only at youth level in 2005 at the uh, the youth World Cup, while Neymar has played at the Olympics at Confed's company. Of course, missed the 29 um, Copper America final through injury. Which side do you think is is best set up to nullify the other's big attacking threat? Which Which of the two do you think will have a bigger impact on this one?
5: Yeah, Messi has an Olympics as well, um, Beijing 2008. Um, if uh, Argentina's last defeat was against Brazil in the semi-finals at the last Copper two years ago. Uh, and there were, there were con- the controversial refereeing de- decisions, but really I think the, r- the result was never in doubt. Uh, and that was Argentina couldn't defend against Brazil. And they, they were they were picked off on the counter-attack. Fascinating thing about this game is that the sides are much closer now. Uh, Argentina were very, very much a work in progress then. And they've got better and better since. However... If you're going to push me against the wall and, and ask that question, uh, I think Brazil still have a better balance between attack and defence. And if you have to make a choice of defenders, are you going to go with Brazil's or are you going to go with Argentina's? And it, it's a no contest, um, especially under the centre-back position. There's still a problem for Argentina. There's huge hopes of Christian Romero. Um, of, who had a good season with uh, Atalanta uh, but he's, he's been injured he's missed the last couple of games and he's only played two or three times and he's picked up a card every time he's played so th- there are still worries about him and it looks like it will m- probably be Pezzella and Otamendi again um, they, they can be done for pace uh, against the Brazil defence for Brazil uh, I think Marquinhos is a, is a magnificent centre-back terrific centre-back big decision for me is who plays alongside him. Uh, Thiago Silva, great player, but he's not far off 37. And he's starting to creak a little bit. I mean, Chelsea used him wonderfully well last season in the middle of a three. Uh, And it was the pace, I think, of Rudiger that really made that that thing viable. Thiago Silva in a two, he can be exposed. When the, The big chance that Peru had... uh, In that semi-final, was uh, their centre forward Lapadula managing to turn inside Thiago Silva with uh, with ease and and get a shot in on goal. And another thing, when Thiago Silva has played in this tournament. Because he's he's now reached the age when he he's he's still relatively quick, but he was much much quicker. But because he's reached the age when he's 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 lost a little pace, a, a bit of pace. When he's played, Brazil haven't been able to press in midfield as well as they've done when Eda Militant of Real Madrid has played. Now the idea when when Brazil got into this cycle, building to the next World Cup, their idea was very much. The, the centre-back combination in Qatar was going to be Marquinhos and Eda Militão. Uh, and for a while, Militão wasn't getting a game at Real Madrid and that, that, that pushed things back. He's now getting games and Sergio Ramos is obviously leaving, so that, that's an indication that he's going to get, be getting more games and he's done well. For me, the big selection decision that Brazil's coach has before this game is Thiago Silva or Militão and I think he should go for Militant. I think the extra pace of Militant is useful both defensively and because it it will enable the team to press higher and against that circuit of passing that Argentina have in midfield, you want to reduce the space, you want to defend a little bit higher and try and put pressure on on, on that circuit. So one of the things, in fact I think the main thing I'm going to be looking for when the teams are, are announced is is it going to be Thiago Silva or is it going to be Eda Militao? And if it's Militao, I think Brazil um, have a better chance. The decision that Argentina have to make in uh, in in their team and the, the way that Scaloni usually lines up his team is a 4-3-3 with the midfield of, of De Paul, Paredes and Lo Celso. It's a midfield without a specialist defensive midfielder. The debate ha- has, has been over the last couple of games of guido rodriguez who is the specialist midfield defender does he come in to the side uh, and in the semi-final against colombia he came into the side in place of uh, paredes to try and give him a little bit more defensive uh, stability against what they knew was going to be uh, an athletic and, and 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 quick colombia forward line will scaloni line up because his, his alternative to the 4-3-3 is the way that he often ends the games, a 4-4-2. He, what he could do in a 4-4-2 is pick both Paredes and Rodriguez in the centre of midfield. That, that, that would be a possibility. He'd have to have to sacrifice almost certainly his left winger, Nico Gonzalez but it would give him more stability in the central midfield. So they're, they're, they are the two things that I'm going to be looking for as soon as the, team are, the, the teams are announced. Have Argentina gone for 4-4-2 with both Paredes and Rodriguez and have Brazil um, replace Thiago Silva with Eda Militão. Uh, and uh, whatever happens, I would make Brazil still narrow favourites, if anything, for, for the presence of Marquinhos. He's one of those centre backs who's just so good. You sometimes you just don't notice how good he is because he's quick across the field. He's time. He times his tackles very, very well. Uh, and uh, Argentina haven't had a centre back like that for for a long time. They've got a goalkeeper now, and that's a vital part of the jigsaw. Emiliano Martinez was was the hero in the penalty shootout against Colombia. They haven't had a, a top class goalkeeper, I think, for a while. So they've they've improved in that. They've improved in many things. But for me, those centre-back positions are crucial in just giving Brazil the edge.
1: And does that mean, uh, and I I loved your analogy about the Brazil wins its uh, dog bites man if Argentina Mm. wins it man's bite bites dog. Are you prepared to tip the underdog or do you just think the the analysis you've just given us um, just uh, edges Brazil, particularly at home?
5: Yeah, I mean... uh, it will. What happens on Saturday, our time, Sunday morning, your time, will determine entirely how this tournament is remembered. Mm. Because and if it's a Brazil win, then it, it's what happened two years ago uh, with no fans and with 50,000 people dying during the course of the competition. Mm. Um, it, it really does become the COVID copper in history if Brazil win. If Argentina win, and how many barroom discussions have there been about Messi can't be considered the greatest player ever because he's never won anything with Argentina. Mm. And if Messi's Argentina beat Brazil in the Maracanã, then that that affects all of those barroom discussions. And it means that in 20 years' time, when people look back, they'll be more inclined to remember what It sounds like you finals. want
1: to tip Argentina.
5: No, I, I, I don't, actually. I, I just want a great game. That, yeah. that's, that, that, that's all I want. Um, that's, uh, it, it's...
1: So uh, we give us a go and Tim. I'm trying to ease it out. I mean, what do you, who do you think going to win? It's, I know it's so tough because of the analysis uh, that Brazil. goes on behind this. Okay, Brazil. All right, that's Brazil. Tim's tip briefly before we let you go. We can't let an Englishman an expat living in Brazil um, get away without um, uh, asking him whether it, football is actually going to come home um, on Sunday afternoon. We spoke to Martin Tyler earlier in the show, and uh, you know, Martin, as we know, um, he's got this great uh, tempo of uh, excitement that he can build up to, but he's normally state is uh it just sounds serene and sombre but he was more excited than he's ever been um about the first England final that he's he's getting to commentate in, in his entire career. Um what are your thoughts on this and, and who do you think wins at Wembley um, uh, I, on, I uh, think I think so.
5: Italy are narrow favourites. But I'm enjoying the ride. I hope if England lose that people are happy with the ride. I, I, I flew mm, back mm. to England just before the semi-finals of the World Cup three years ago, because I often often find myself uh, fighting with the, with the land of my birth. But one of the things that I loved was how well people responded to the defeat against Croatia. Yeah, it was there was still a party atmosphere in the streets afterwards. Yeah. No, people had really enjoyed the ride, and I loved that. It was such a contrast to Brazil had just gone out. I'd still been in Brazil when they lost to to, to Belgium, and just a carpet of gloom descends. Mm-hmm. Because for for Brazil, the bar is set so high that anything less than winning the competition is a is a disaster. Uh, I, I feel sorry for them in that way because it makes it makes it very difficult to enjoy the ride. Um, but for 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 the English public, they would really enjoyed the ride all the way to the, to the semis. Now perhaps the expectations are higher than they were three years ago. Um, so I, I hope that whatever happens, people uh, people in, in, in enjoy, have enjoyed the ride because it has been it has been wonderful. I think we can get at them. Um, one thing that gives me hope is uh, the the holding midfielder for Italy is is He's mm-hmm. who's not a defensive specialist. Uh, it works at Chelsea because he's got Cante alongside him. With Italy, he doesn't have Kante alongside him, and that—that that for me was, in the goal that Spain scored in the semi, that for me shone out because that was Mo- Morata had just dropped deep, and he hadn't hadn't been picked up, you know, in a vital position, and he he had the space there to play the one-two and get in, and that's exactly what Harry Kane does. He drops into those spaces. So, I hope that Kane can win that that duel coming off the defenders who will be reluctant to follow him. Oh, Chiellini and Bonucci. I think they'll be reluctant to follow him too deep because they're getting on now. They're not quick. And England can put in pace behind. They can put in lots of pace behind. So, I think Kane might be able to find space in those pockets and, and, and generate um, so that's my hope for how England can, can hurt Italy. Um, and I also think player for player, I think we've got more talent up front than they have. But I think their midfield is better than ours. Uh, and uh, uh, I love the way that they play through the midfield. Um, they couldn't do it as much against Spain, but England is a different proposition from Spain. England, England can't keep the ball as, as well as the Spanish do. Um, so that's my fear that they, they can play through the midfield quickly, and maybe expose our defence in a way that it hasn't been re- hasn't really been exposed during the tournament, and also Italy they have such experience of winning games.
1: Mm, anyway. They do don't they? Yeah.
5: Anyway, I mean against Spain they had to win the game in a way that was totally different from anything that they, they they'd done in the tournament before and they found a way and 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 Kellini and bonnet they're, they're so important in in that and maybe it's some of this is because i'm, I'm, a, I'm a tottenham fan and I'm, i've got yeah. the trauma of of how juventus knocked us out of the champions league uh, just over three years ago when well, on the field tottenham was so much better but Kelini and so on—they just knew what to do and when to do it in order to get out to get over the line. So yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd make Italy narrow uh, favourites, um, and I've enjoyed the ride. I and mean, I've—I've never seen this. I was one—one one year yeah. years old when we uh, in in nineteen sixty-six. So I've never seen my team in a final. So uh, I, I plan to, to to sit back and 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 enjoy it, whatever happens, really. And yeah. as always with international football. What I really want is—I'd oh, love to win. Yeah, I, I like this team very much. I think they're—and I like Gareth. I think they're, they're good people. Um, they're sending out an, a, a good, positive message of of my country at a time when I'm not sure there are that many positive messages coming out coming out of the country. Um, but come come the final whistle, I hope we're all mates. Nope, we can. Mm. We, we, we mm. can, uh, You know, the, the next day I can meet up with an Italian mate over a coffee, and we can we can we can discuss the game, and, uh, and, and point out where we were robbed, but do it with a smile. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, mate, that's a great way to end it, Tim, um, because uh, that is really ultimately what sport is all about. It's uh, meant to bring, you know, joy to our lives. And in the past eighteen months that we've all had, uh, um, that um, it, uh, it, it, those that joy has been so f- few and, and far between, mate. So, Tim, look, thanks for for joining us. Um, our Australian uh, listeners um, love their football, no matter where it's played, and uh, uh, we we just love a Brazil Argentina contest at the best of times, let alone when it's uh, for such high. Stars. And uh, um, we really hope you enjoy the weekend of uh, of the, the copper And then um, and then look, mate, I can't sort of give you too much uh, um, joy From my personal point of view being married to an Italian But mm. um, but as you say, may the best team win And be a bloody good uh, Euro final as well Bring it on Tim Vickery from Brazil What a great analyst, what a great man We've been very fortunate to have him on Box to Box again after all these years. All right, stick around. We're going to go back to the Euros after the break. With Box Beno to and
0: Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And Storage King.
0: The kings of storage, moving and more. And this
1: could be the most Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport. We've had some fun on the show so far, but now it's uh, selfish time. we are got to make some... Uh, Reflections and predictions uh, of uh, our thoughts on the semis and uh, look ahead to the final of the Euros. But before we do, uh, I just want to talk to you about our friends at Chemist Warehouse. If you are a football player, if you're a pa, sportsman, pa. if you're training and you need your sports pa, pa. nutrition, you've got to go to Chemist Warehouse. There's INC 100% WPI for just $79.99. INC 100% mm-hmm. Dynamic Whey for only $54.99. And INC Plant Protein Chocolate or Vanilla 2 kilogram variants, just $34.99 each. And Protein World one kilogram. Gen-gen sorted variants. Now only twenty nine ninety nine each. Remember in addition to visiting your local chemist warehouse store, you can click and collect to save time, order online for delivery by Australia Post and get free shipping on orders over fifty dollars. Or call and ask for the same day home delivery. Fees and charges may apply. Chemist warehouse the great savings are every single day. Well done! I love my harmony background singers. So I've just got to try not to laugh at their efforts as their facial expressions go along with their <laughs> comments. Derek,
7: no, I always, en- I always enjoy those little inserts from, uh, from from Ed. I think he he knows that he's getting well, into it, there and I'm sure the brand are delighted.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, who's going to be delighted? Well, Denmark and Spain were Come delighted.
2: on, Dino! Give us a give us a rendition. Come on.
1: It's coming home. It's coming home. It's
9: coming Uh, home. Good
1: on you, home. Well, but Derek's not a believer. No. He's not. I don't he's, know. A, he's a Scotsman. I don't know he's been leaping on to to every other team except England. Um, yeah. I just can't work it out. He follows England in the cricket with a passion, but he doesn't mm. want to have a barroom. What? Explain yourself, Derek.
7: Being an England football fan is uh, an extremely complicated business that <laughs> comes with a whole heap of baggage, uh, disappointment. Uh, we were talking obviously to Thomas about the guy he was lasering. Uh, smike in the Eye, I think that just sums it up in terms of England fans, there were some pretty unsavoury characters in the ground with some dodgy tattoos and their shirts off, and it's probably the same people that went and have trashed various French and Belgian and Swedish towns over the years as they've got on tour. Um, So look, yeah, it's very hard to um, get behind England with the press and the hype and the hysteria around it, so to be honest, I prefer just to stand back and and let it happen, and enjoy the football for what it is, Rob.
1: And watch the cricket when the Pommies um, uh, occasionally beat us, but won't be doing it this summer. But we're talking football. They
7: won't be doing that a lot, no, so I think, over no, the next year.
1: I don't think so. But look, the semi-finals, uh, uh, let's uh, reflect on those before we, we have a look at the final.
7: Yeah, well, look from, from my point of view, uh, that England-Denmark game, I, I thought England were well-deserved uh, to be winners in that game, created the majority of the chances uh, dominated from a a tactical uh, and technical point of view. And yes, there was that brief moment when I'm sure the nation's hearts were in their mouths as Harry Kane took, let's face it, a very poor penalty by by his standards, Dean. But um, it it rebounded to him and he had the the job of sticking it in the net and Wembley goes delirious. So, um, you know, what what are your reflections on on the game now? A, A tactical masterclass from Gareth.
9: Yeah, look, I think I think really, uh, and I've listened to him on uh, on various uh, channels, and, and, and you know, it's it's been quite clear that for the five weeks they've been together, from when it started up in Middlesbrough to obviously the semi-final um, this morning, um, I think there, I think you know, like where your where your baggage is dealt with the England team, I, I tend to similarly agree, but. I think this group are a very unique group um and I think I don't know for some reason there a lot of younger players in the team and the balance seems to be right and the harm it seems like they're in a decent harmony together and and I think Gareth Southgate I've, I've met him I've spoken to him quite a number of times over the journey um he's quite a measured man and uh I'm I'm quite pleased for him that, that if they can win it uh, then then that uh, that painful night when I was there at the semi-finals in '96, um, it, it'll vanish, and and I and I think there's some some up, upside moving forward because um, it's not just the players that are playing now. This there's, there's a lot of players you can choose from, and uh, you know, but there'll, there'll be ones that will be leaving and, and retiring, you know, in the next two or three years. But the, the production line seems to be really, really uh, healthy.
7: It's. Uh, Denmark benefited from three home games, of course England have benefited from hardly leaving uh, London and, and a quick daunt over to Roman back again, but could you sense that the emotional and physical fatigue was finally settling in in this team uh, as, as, as the game rumbled on?
2: Yeah, um, uh, Thomas Orensen said, said it as the substitutions came in the second half, England had a lot more weapons on their bench, didn't they, that uh, seemed to... Seem to uh, change
1: the course of the game. But I just want to... Um, and, of course, remember the Danes had come from Baku as well. So that's right. They, that's, uh, they had a longer a journey, hadn't
2: they? But in terms of um, a couple of items that I wanted to raise um, and get uh, Derek and Dean's thoughts about this game was, one, the penalty. Um, there's a lot of people say that it wasn't a penalty or, or, or that it was very, very soft. And I just... Uh, Would ask Dean if the boot was on the other, if the shoe was on the other foot. If uh, England had been on the end of that decision, I think there would have been a a, just a. A deafening outcry of complete um, outrage, outrage, and 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 sort of cheating sort of component to it. But the other one that, that I thought was interesting was Jordan Pickford. I know he's had a very good tournament to date, but he looked nervy. His kicking distribution was poor, and if it had gone there to was penalties, one moment
1: in particular where he, he just pretty much handed it to yeah. Uh, the it, if it had team.
2: gone to penalties, they were going to be sunk. So I think they do carry a lot of baggage. Into the final, and I'm going to declare my hand here because I don't want England's football team to win anything. <laughs> because I just enjoy the suffering and pain that sort of <laughs> degenerates on uh, all of these uh, English people. I want, I
7: want to. I want to get behind Raheem Sterling. Generally, uh, he came into this tournament in poor form. Uh, lots of people were calling for him to be dropped. It was all about Grealish and 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 then Jadon Sancho and Foden. Um, you know, to, to take his spot. Not only has he had an unbelievable tournament, and we 'll talk in stop his time about some of our calls for those kind of accolades, but you know even after one hundred and twenty minutes, he was still driving at their defense he was still causing them. All sorts of problems, mm. and yes, he and no denying that. Grav- Agree, one hundred percent.
1: He might be well, one of, the, if not the player of the tournament. If England win, and he has a good game, uh, he'll be in the, in the conversation. So, so the, the and I don't object to what he did. He, you know, it's it's football. Just about every country in the world would have done it. So, so yeah, I'm just saying, call it out for what it was. But it's, um, it's, I don't no, think it's any. He did. He, he did. I think he.
7: Uh, yeah, yeah, in a way, he uh, earned that penalty because of if it wasn't going to be that, it was going to be one of the others because he kept dancing into that penalty area, um, d- you know, tempting the Danish defenders say, come on then, you know, can you get the ball? Are you going to get me and look at, you know, as I said, it, he did have a bit of a gravitational challenge mm-hmm. there. But um, I was just saying to you off mic earlier, Rob, I'd like to have a, a, an equivalent of Snicko. Yes, uh, in, yes. in football because I reckon there would have been a little mark on his leg not enough for him to go mm-hmm. down and to be fair he didn't milk it he didn't roll spot. around holding his leg Without so yeah the Snicko or the hot spot I think there would have been a little, little mark on his leg there and you know not enough to go down but Okay, you know, well, well we've to got to, for we've
1: got to leave fact. some time for, for our predictions So I just want to jump over to the, uh, the Italy-Spain game um, we, I think we all agreed that, um, that Spain uh, had the better of the match It was something like 900 passes to yeah. 350 odd uh, um, Obviously dominated in possession Definitely in possession, yeah yes. but, but, but they just couldn't, they couldn't ice it, could they? No, they, they couldn't and, and Italy just managed to, to, to recalibrate and, and reset as they needed to I just felt sorry for Alvaro Morata That he had, had to be the villain at the end
7: I'll tell you what, though, um, Jorginho, you know, mm. when he came to Chelsea, um, he was very, he was heavily criticised because a little bit pedestrian, a little bit side-passy, and he seemed to be the teacher's pet of, um, of Sarri there. But he's stuck in there at Chelsea. He's now a Champions League winner and was integral in that. Um, he's integral in this team as well. And the penalty, you know, H- Harry Kane should have a look at that because Harry Kane didn't even look, look where he was hitting that ball, head down over the ball whereas Eugenio just strolled up, watched the goalkeeper and plumped it in the other corner and I think Dino, that's the battle that will happen uh, in, in the game coming up, the midfield battle and Eugenio yeah. against Henderson and, and, and Phillips there is going to be crucial
9: Yeah, look, I think um, I think it will be, I mean, the, the one thing most probably from an England perspective, I think they need to score first, uh, because I know Italy, have, I mean, I know they did you know what they did with Spain, but Bottom line is that I think if, if Italy go ahead, um, then they're very, very good at defending and and some dark arts, let's throw that in as well. So that'll <laughs> that be part and parcel. Um, but I think if England score first, I think uh, then that might open the game up and and and, that, and hopefully it, it becomes a really entertaining final. But sometimes these finals are absolutely drab as a rule.
1: Do you know uh, I think we all know what you're going to uh, say, but um, but tell us just why England are going to win this on Sunday and uh, Monday morning outside.
9: I just think uh, Boyd with getting the hooter of the semi-final out of the way. That's that, that's 50 years. That's 50 years already. So for me, England, England, England will win. England to, England, to
1: win. Okay, Derek.
7: Look, uh, I'm not going to look at sentiment here. I'm just going to look at what what this tournament has said. And overall, I think Italy have been the best team in this tournament. I think they've got the right mixture of youth and and, and experience, a canny manager, canny players. I think they'll get the job
1: done possibly in uh, extra time. Okay, I'm going to agree with you. I think um, that Italy have uh, been proven winners of big tournaments over the years. I think they've got a, uh, a massive monkey off their back now from the, the Russia World Cup and they've got a, a real point to prove. I think Mancini uh, has uh, has got the, uh, the the experience to get this done and I, I just think England, maybe in Qatar, we might see a real run at the, the, the final and perhaps even win, but Italy to win this. Um, Willem?
3: I think it's going to be Italy, Rob. I think the Spanish game will have tuned them up. I think they got the shock of their lives probably and it showed them that bossing the midfield is not a given. I think Mancini will tighten that up. They'll get on top early in this one and they will win by a goal to nil in extra time.
2: Italy will win, but Mancini needs to change his number nine. Uh, Immobile, uh, for me, is not playing well enough and he uh, he needs to go with a substitute to come and score the goal.
1: Mm, that'll be interesting. Oh, my prediction is that Immobile is actually going to the floodgates um, like with Harry Kane and, and he may well be the man of the match in the final. So you're predicting Italy? Yeah, I'm okay, predicting All right, Italy. so Dino, you're the only one that's predicted England. All right, stick around because we're going to wrap it all up with stoppage time and reflect on some of our favourite moments uh, of the tournament. Next on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. Can you believe- The Chemist
1: Warehouse.
0: Home of real brands
1: and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage, moving and more. Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport. It's been a blockbuster show today as we look at the Euros. What a great month of football it's been. And, of course, the uh, Copper America with Tim Vickery. We're going to reflect on some of our great moments of the tournament. But before we do, Storage King. Lots of great moments at Storage King. Is your home running out of space? Are you decluttering, moving, renovating? as the jingle comes in underneath me. Downsizing or creating a home office? Well, you know Storage King has the answer. They've got stores everywhere. There's locations just around the corner, over 180 stores across Australia and New Zealand. There's a crack team of storage professionals. They can organise it all for you, and that makes Storage King the kings of storage, moving and more. In this past 18 months, more and more people have found out just uh, how important storage is to their lives. So storageking.com.au for your nearest store. Let them give you back some space. Okay, guys, um, so our favourite moments of the tournament, uh, uh, I think I might sort of lead off here. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few... Um, a few uh, Moments that uh, that come into the grand final of, of the conversation here, but uh, uh, look, I really um, feel like um, the the moment for me was was. As a a pseudo-Italian, being married to an Italian, being around for the past 30 years, going down to Ligon Street, watching all the tournaments, uh, just the the joy and the emotion of being in the room uh, when uh, Lorenzo Insigne scored uh, his goal. It was the round of 16. He picked up the ball on halfway. He skipped over Yuri Thieleman, saw five defenders in front of him. What did he do? As he approached the 18-yard box, he just lashed it over their heads, uh, past the despairing Thibaut Courtois into the top right-hand corner. It was just the joy and emotion. Of, of everything. It was just a little moment for me.
7: you could pick from, from quite a few, but I'm going to go for France three, Switzerland three. After extra time, the penalty shootout, the underdogs. Switzerland hitting five per- perfect penalties past uh, Hugo Lloris and then mm. upsets Kylian Mbappe and what a turnaround three years on from leading the French to World, Clu- World Cup glory in Russia and he, and he uh, puts that penalty at a stable hype and uh, the Swiss go delirious. So for me, that is what football is all about.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was moment. unless you're killing Mbappe, of course. Um, Dino, what about yours, mate?
9: Oh, look, I'm going to have to stick with the England train.
3: My favourite moment of the tournament, Rob, came before a ball was kicked. Andrea Bocelli, Ah. Stadio Olympico yes. singing Nissen Dorma That was Nissen Dorma As in Nissen Dorma
1: the Toyota. Not the Toyota. Toy oh, okay.
3: <laughs> uh, Nissan ah, Dorma Shrub. I haven't spent enough time Down at uh, Café Notoro Over the past couple of the weeks Rob But uh, that was Italy Back on the big stage And then straight into Their national anthem And then straight into A pancing Of Turkey And they're still riding that wave All the way to the final uh, On the pitch It'd have to be Patrick Schick's goal Against uh, the Or for the Czech Republic Against Scotland uh, That was Magnificent and still stands up, uh, even though it was in the first round of, of group stage matches, stands pretty clearly as the goal of the tournament, I think. Uh, second, I was going to nominate Insignios as well mm-hmm. uh, against Belgium. But yes, Bocelli for me.
2: Uh, for me, it was that Finland and Russia are great rivals in everything. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was Olerkski-Mirintrik's uh, goal that uh, got Russia over the line, a 1-0 win. Uh, a, big, a big win for, for Russia. They for a like moment, Russia. Well, for a moment, they looked like they were going to do something good, but it was his deafness and sort of finesse Mm, uh, that got that job done. But not only did Russia win, they sent the Finnish supporters home with a Delta variant of covid (laughs) They <laughs> were able to populate Finland with that as well. So well done to Russia.
1: And, and Damo, you're over there in the <laughs> corner. You're off, Mike. Um, what was your favourite moment of, of the tournament, mate? As we uh, wrap Lorenzo it up. Lorenzo Insigne emulating Roberto Baggio from Italian ninety. Mm. Lorenzo Insigne emulating oh, Roberto, Roberto Baggio from <laughs> Italian ninety. Okay, all right. Well, that's all about top moments. But before we go, Dino, you've got uh, you've got the ladder, our, our selection ladders. Um, how, how's it all playing out with just the yeah. final to go?
9: Yeah we've just got uh, we've got William 92 points um, we've got Ez on 95 uh, then it goes down to um one eight, 102 which is Dell, and then it goes then to um
1: 122 for me, and then John Beckett being on 154. So, what you just
2: forgot my then tips altogether, <laughs> did you, mate? Rob's Rob's off
9: the scale, <laughs> yeah. No,
1: Rob's, Rob, Rob's, Rob's, I was 180. 180. One, well, so I came third, did I? It 30, doesn't really yeah. matter, no, no. So, it's not like me to gloat, still, so I won't. Um, we've still got
9: the final, though, long, so you've got to start predicting. As long as i beat us, each, so. that's all
1: that matters. You, everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters. Don't forget to get
9: this...
2: The, the, the tips in for the final Yeah Well we've just done it mate So you'll just have to listen to the show But <laughs> 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 well, I just want to point the obvious out to you Dino <laughs> Yeah that's exactly
9: right
1: <laughs> Alright boys Oh Dino's a... excited yeah, England's right. in the Yeah I think he's just a bit distracted He's just all excited He's hung out Him he's, and, he's...
2: and Bucket Bucket will be excited in Not In A Money Dino Yeah he's, uh, he's
9: ill going for England He's going to win this I mean, thing Will
1: he be going for England I thought he would be Bucket will win this thing Yeah, yeah. All right. yeah, Thank you, Dino.
9: Thank you, boys.
1: Derek. Forza Italia. <laughs> uh, forza Italia. Forza Zurui. Thank you, forza Rob. Zuri, Thank you, Michael Derek Dean Damo. Yeah. And just for our listeners out there, Rob
2: has no Italian heritage. His wife has a here at HB. Well, he's, I've got two children he's jumped on the bandwagon.
1: Well, I've in the bandwagon for three I mean, he's in
2: Lebanon. He, I mean, he is half lebanese <laughs> He's jumped on the coffee cart. That's yeah. right. He has. Mate, he, look, on Odyssey, he has black <laughs> coffee <laughs> these days.
1: Anyone who, who's watched The Godfather will know the great um, character, uh, um, uh, Tom... Um, com, the consigliere Tom Hagen, of course. How could I possibly forget the, the how could you forget that, that? Yeah, of course. i am embarrassed to even <laughs> stumble across that. But yes, of course, that's what I consider myself anyway. Look, guys, enjoy the game, uh, the games. Uh, it's Sunday morning, perfect ten o'clock kickoff time for Argentina Brazil, and then we'll all be getting up super early on Monday morning to watch the final of the Euros, and then we'll shift our focus. Uh, well, maybe to the Olympics. I think for the Matildas absolutely the yeah. how good's that going to be? Okay, all right. Thanks again for joining us again or Box to box we'll look forward to you joining us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game